welcome to yet another great session that we have in store for you from the digital adoption show where we get inside the topics that will be shaping the modern workplace as we all know i'm your host prerna i am a part of the sales team here at whatfix i work for the emia region here and today we have a very special guest with us who will be talking on a lot of great insights and experiences that he has gathered all through his experiences his name is dr mario lens he is the chief product officer at hygraph dr mario welcome to the show it's so great to have you here yeah thank you thanks thank you very much for having me here in this show and by the way can we please skip this doctor that sounds i mean dr mario <laughs> that sounds so you know just mario i mean just that. got it i'm going to call you mario now of <laughs> thanks for that <laughs> yes please okay just to set the tone for all of our listeners our episode today is on a very special topic it's going to be called from traditional to digital how dap is reshaping the manufacturing industry we have mario here who has a great expertise from a similar domain and we want to materialize all of that today for the conversation so yes it's going to be around all of that so let's get started with a quick introduction about our guest mario he's an ex cto and he is now a seasoned product leader specifically focusing on b2b scale up companies today with hygraph he is building a federated content management platform that empowers modern content rich web application we'll hear more from him about what he's been doing what he's been up to so mario why don't you tell us a little about yourself in detail and what has been your passion lately yeah you already had mentioned quite a lot so i have been an engineer more on the nerdy side of the house myself you know doing graduating computer science being a cto but then more than 12 15 years ago i consciously stepped into product management because i really loved being in touch with customers specifically in the b2b side even you know enterprise b2b so where there are specific challenges when you compare it to the c for example and as you mentioned prana you mentioned you know specifically manufacturing to be very explicit that's not so much the topic of my today's role at hygraph but has been a very very heavy focus in my previous role at quantic but i think we will be talking about that just you know in case you know listeners are wondering i mean manufacturing and high graph where's the connection so i think it's more the previous stations that are and actually multiple roles that i had in my in my career so far interesting interesting this is really good to know and like i've been always mentioning i have been following you on on linkedin and i see your blogs about how passionate you are and how hot driven your uh, overall articles are about b2b product its adoption and much more so we'll get into that mario but thanks for setting the tone and why don't we get started with a little you know round of rapid fire i'm guessing you're well acquainted with that concept i'll be asking you a few questions and i would expect you to answer those very quickly yeah happy I'll, to i mean always let's let's have some fun here i'll try to keep them fun <laughs> let's see how this goes okay so mario tell me if you were a superhero what would your superpower be and why i mean Personally, I'm not so much into superheroes. Yeah, I'm not going to the movie theater to watch all of that. But I would say it's probably uh, Flash because of that speed. I mean, I'm a speed lover. Whatever it takes, I need to move fast and all of that. So lightning speed is something I would love to have. Actually, I wouldn't say I have okay. it, but I would love to have it. 
No, but I, I would say I would agree to that. That answer came in very quickly. So there was a speed over there. So I get it. Okay, so you'll have to spill some beans for us now. I'm not sure how comfortable you'll be doing that. But let me try my luck with this question. What's the weirdest job you've ever had before becoming a leader in the space today? I don't know whether it's weird, but at least outside of IT, when I started studying, I was working night shift as a guest at a gas station here in Berlin. And you have to understand, you know, that was shortly after the fall of the wall and a lot of change going on. And that was basically when I was during the night, specifically on weekends, helping people to fill their cars and managing all of that. I don't know whether that's weird, really, but at least it's totally off and unrelated to anything IT. Yeah, Again, it's Maybe that's yeah. my way into manufacturing already because it's oily and noisy and <laughs> thingy. Yeah, maybe maybe that's what got you into the space of manufacturing. No, I'm no. not sure, but okay, thanks for that. Okay, I'm not sure if you'll want to answer this one, Mario, but again, let's see. What's the most embarrassing moment from your early career that still makes you chuckle? Well, when I was a very early leader, so in my, I think it was even my first management position, and I remember I had to actually actively let go a person. And then due to some weird circumstances, getting lost in my email and Microsoft and Outlook and attaching something that I didn't attend to, I actually shared with that person, so whom I had to let go, I shared highly confidential data, so mostly about salary data, about the entire... Oh, my God. Not the entire company, but at least the entire department. And of course, I was... I mean, the moment you hit the send button, you realize, oh, my God, what just (laughs) happened? I was going crazy. I was going after IT. Can we somehow recall that message? Can we, you know, pull that message back and delete it, whatever? There was no way back then. I was even talking to my best boss of whether I should, you know, file my resignation. It was really embarrassing, but I mean, honestly, in the end, it wasn't a problem at all. I mean, I, I was totally freaking out, but it turned out, you know, it was much less of a problem than I felt and than I thought. So basically, maybe a month later, nobody was even talking about it anymore. So, but at that <laughs> moment, I can tell you, I had probably a 50 heart rate and I don't know what was going on. So really kind of went crazy. I'm sure. I'm sure. That sounds super critical to me. I'm sure how you would have felt back then. I'm so thankful for the undo buttons that we have now in our emails. (laughs) Otherwise, we would be losing out on our jobs left, right and center. But this is good. Thank you so much for sharing this and being candid about this, Mario. Okay, so why don't we get started with the set of uh, insights that I would want to fetch from you today. So Mario, tell me, What are some of the challenges that manufacturers face while transitioning to new digital platforms from legacy systems? In manufacturing domain, I mean, it's pretty, pretty much uh, prevalent. Change is definitely difficult for everyone. How do you think this particular challenge can be overcome in that space? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for asking. And that is exactly what I, you know, again, not now in my current role, but in my previous roles, even and specifically at Quantic, the last four, four and a half years I've been working on. So I think we can all imagine that kind of manufacturing work. Right? I really have something, we even had a user persona for that. Yeah. So a very strong man, maybe with a heavy, you know, heavy beard on his face and very strong, very powerful in his mid-50s, has been doing the job for 
decades, for 30 years, 40 years, whatever, wearing this typical protective wear, like, you know, a hard helmet or maybe some special vest, gloves, working in very harsh and oily environments, not being very tech savvy, because, you know, I don't need all that crazy new technology that you young lads need. I've been doing my job for decades now. I don't need all of that. So to summarize, basically, that person is firstly not very tech savvy, that person is not intrinsically motivated to do something about it and to change the status quo and to do something new and to disrupt maybe even his working processes. And thirdly, it's these harsh environments. Yeah, with oily, I always, that's why I always refer to oily fingers, Absolutely. helmets and all of that. So if you're a person implementing new technology, uh, that is kind of what you have to think about. How, you know, how do all of these factors influence these people? And that definitely includes digital adoption because you have to make it very easy for these people to get into these new systems. Because very frankly, particularly in manufacturing, and I know the word, I know we are a little bit special here in Germany, but from the last 18 months or so, I can also tell that, for example, in even in America, it's quite the same, yeah? When you think about America, everybody thinks about Silicon Valley, but think about something, you know, some truck waste company in the Midwest, and you have exactly the same situation. So it's really changing from basically pen and paper solutions to digital solutions. So it's a huge shift. And then with these three factors that I mentioned, I mean, that's definitely the challenges that each of these manufacturing industries could also be logistics and anything or anything in that blue color environment that they are facing. So that's, you have to take that into account. Otherwise you will not be successful. Your workforce will just not be able to adopt these new tools and then they will fail. That's absolutely right, Mario. In fact, like you rightly mentioned, it's more like a transition from a pen and paper type of a setup to a digital setup, right? When we say legacy, it's not always going to be an orthodox system or application in place. It could always be a pen and paper in the manufacturing industry. So shifting from that, shifting from a manual setup of working uh, environment to something wherein you're required to be all the time on an application, a device to feed in the data and mention that you've been safe all through the day and different other factors is definitely going to be very challenging. Very well put, Mario. Yeah, and maybe maybe one, one extension to that. So that's why, I mean, as always, the same is true in other environments, but here specifically, when you're developing a product for that and if you're, you're a product leader in that space, you have to be very, very well aware of your user persona, so to speak. Yeah. So when I, when you refer to these blue color workers that I've just been describing, again, oily fingers, hard hats, harsh environment kind of stuff, that's a different persona than say you're the plant manager and you're running the factory and you're managing the site. Then maybe you have an office and you have some space and you have a big screen and all of that. And yet again, it's different, say, if you're the safety manager accountable for these kind of, you know, implementing these kind of tools. Mm -hmm. so that's why being very, very well aware of the specific needs of your user persona. Again, that's probably when you're in product management, that's true for everybody. But even here, it's, I would say it's very specific because of that blue color environment. I completely second that thought, Mario. It's extremely important because these workers, they work in hazardous places. So yes, you've got to be even extra more careful about everything that you're trying to bring on table. Mario, great insights about this one. So since we're talking about a transition, a shift from something that people have been very well acquainted with to something very new, do you think 
something like a digital adoption platform or rather shifting to something that has a digital adoption platform can impact the overall efficiency and productivity as well with the shift that we're trying to talk about here? Well, productivity, I would say not not directly, more indirect, in an indirect manner. Yeah. So the, the thing, mm -hmm. I mean, specifically what we've been working on at TIG, this is more as, you know, I was usually referring to it as a secondary process. So whenever some mm -hmm. customer implemented our tool, no, they were not building, they were not selling more. No, they were not building, producing things faster. No, they were not saving any materials or whatever. So every, anything that immediately shows up in revenue, profits whatsoever. However, in an indirect manner, of course, that occurred. So for example, if you're the plant manager again, and you, you want to bring these kind of tools to your workforce, of course, if you have digital onboarding tools that make it simpler and easier to use, you know, the product will be used more frequently and thereby, for example, the workplace safety will increase and thus you will have less incidents, less accidents, less, out less outages, mm. all of that basically, which then in turn indirect means you have a, have a better productivity. And also, I mean, a big, big aspect of it also had been more the compliance side of the house. So it's more the risk yeah. of I mean, authorities come in and shut down your factory just because you're not operating in full compliance. And then you have a big problem, of course. I can just Thank imagine, you. particularly in Germany, imagine somebody goes to one of these big automotive plants and just shuts it down. I mean, that's millions and millions of losses every single day. So it's more that indirect aspect. Yeah? And where we could measure it more directly is in time to value. So whenever you implement a new product that is not even related to Quantic alone, but it's more the adoption part. Of course, the easier the adoption, the more I have guided tools, help, tool tips, onboarding things, all of that, the less I need training sessions, the less I need to organize, hey guys, everybody needs to come here and meet, you know, early morning in the canteen and do this kind of, you know, trainings, front-facing trainings and all of that with all the organization and scheduling and, you know, somebody's always sick and everything that's related to that. So the more and the easier it is to use, the less I have to do these trainings. And that is an immediate, you know, cost savings and also time to value factor. So in that sense, productivity. Yeah, absolutely. Plus every minute or every hour that these workforce would be spending in a classroom setup or the way you mentioned the traditional setup of training is a loss of man hour, loss of exactly. resources time. So I think that's directly going to affect uh, how the productivity and the efficiency of these people is going to bring you the ROI, right? So I think very well put, Mario. Uh, since we are on that topic of, you know, traditional to digital, are there any specific examples of how DAP has facilitated smoother transition? in your organization, the past one, maybe? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, imagine you are a Siemens, yeah, one of the probably biggest manufacturing and all of that come on the planet, or size or ABB to cite, say, in a non-German headquartered example. Then you are legally bound to organize, conduct, document, all of these training courses for your employees. I mean, you just have to. If you don't do, you're really running a business risk and they might close down your factory or your plant or whatever apart. It starts with fines, you know, which are substantial already, but maybe they even yeah. lock it down. 
And that, of course, starts with the usual things that we all are aware of, maybe even in the office. Oh, how, how behavior in case of fire, yeah, or first aid and that kind of stuff. But then it also becomes very workplace specific, yeah. So that basically typically done with pen and paper. The responsible manager would collect some material, maybe they get it from HR, then adjusted material. How do we operate this machine or how do we maintain this device, whatever? So they would do it. Then they would have to organize the workforce to join that meeting. Again, everybody is out. Everybody is running you know, on the streets and being yeah. out there. So you need to make sure they are there. Whenever you do that kind of training course, as I said earlier, of course, somebody's always out because they're on vacation. They are getting sick. They forgot about it. They are whatever. Yeah, that happens. That's stuff. And then you would do this kind of training in a classroom style, you know, the manager standing in front and telling everybody and maybe finally collecting signature to really prove they have been attending. So right. with a pen and paper process, I mean, that's massive, the, the investment and the effort and the organizational matters that you have. So that already brings when you bring a, a SaaS solution, yeah, because it's all digital, people can sign up, you don't need to run behind people, you know, to sign up, you immediately see who has be, who has attended, who has not, I mean, all this automation that basically is like this, very, very easy and just very simple to do. But even then, you know, the typical worker, the blue color worker we've been talking before would still be struggling. I mean, that starts already with, hey, you just log in with your email and you get Sorry, what do you mean? I don't have an email. Yeah, that kind of why, if I'm a yeah. plant manager, why do I need an email? Maybe at home I have one, but at work, why? Yeah, that already starts there. So how how can I log in? How can I complete all of that? What do I report problems to? All of that. So that's basically where this kind of solution helps a lot. And this is where digital adoption comes very handy because it actually, you know, gives these guidance to users and takes them by the hands and says, hey, welcome and do this today. And this is your task list. And basically like a concierge, maybe, yeah, welcoming you. Hey, good morning, yeah. Paul. Welcome, nice seeing you. Here are your five tasks of the day. And once you're done, tick, 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 check the box. Congratulations, Paul. You're ready to go. You can now do your job. And by the way, I will let your boss know that you just completed all your certifications and everything is fine. So that that kind of stuff. That is exactly where the digital yeah. adoption helped a lot. So interesting to hear that. Uh, in fact, Mario, like you very rightly emphasized, you said this is more like having a concierge in place. Uh, yeah. that's that's exactly and then knowing what your users would need is also very important before we build up that list of uh, activities for them right so I think there's a lot of thought that's being put before and definitely while the tasks are ongoing while the users are required to carry out activities so very very precisely put I'm so glad you uh, mentioned about that Mario manufacturing industry is ever evolving right how do you think CAPs are going to continue playing a role within the on with the ongoing evolution towards a more digital driven landscape even even outside manufacturing i mean just when you when you take a wider look at what's happening very general in the product space and i mean everybody is talking about product led growth yeah i mean mm -hmm. with the poster children like you know notion miro figma we all know all of them yeah but what does it mean i mean product led, -led growth me essentially means i don't do no longer have this top-down decision-making, but more a bottom-up. Somebody comes across your product, 
They try it, they try to get some usage, some aha moment out of it to, to actually activate it. And once they like it, they will basically bring it and it will grow and it will bring it to the team and then maybe to the department and it will grow like that. I mean, I'm not saying this is the, you know, all in and there will be no more sales quite particularly, you know, my previous company, when everything comes to compliance and everything, it will still be very much top down, but still making it easy. And as I used to say at Quantic, damn simple to, I mean, internally, I don't use that word externally to, yeah. <laughs> internally to really emphasize it, to make it yeah. damn simple also means make it damn simple for these very early users. And this could be the manufacturing blue color worker at Quantic, or it could be the developer at Highgraph, for example. It's still completely different user persona, completely different needs. But the core need is still, I want to try that out. And I need it to be damn simple so that I get my work done as quickly as possible. And this is exactly where, of course, how can we do this? Well, digital adoption is the way to go. Yeah. So I actually recently saw some... Very good examples, even in our industry now. So when I say our, I mean now high graph. Yeah. Just joined yeah. something like 10, 12 days ago. So we see that in that same space again, or we all might be aware of how, you know, Notion, Miro, Figma are doing it with hints here and some guidance there and some checklists there and some to-do list and basically help us always only one click away, this kind of attitude. So making it very simple, not flooding the user. Yeah. Oh my God, I can't even get my job done because because I see, actually, I saw it on the LinkedIn feed. I saw some funny note about Zoom this morning. So kind of basically hmm. everything gone. And I was just flooded by these notifications. I couldn't even get through to the, to the actual tool. I mean, that's too much then. Yeah. But finding yeah. that fine balance. And that is exactly where I think, again, coming back to the original question, digital adoption will be key. Because it's basically, it's adoption is even a metric in, in product management. So how can we increase adoption by helping these self-onboarding users to get to their very first aha moment, to get to their very first finished project and so that they can succeed, they even enjoy it, and they will then spread the word and kind of word of mouth. Absolutely. I think you, you've put it out in a very simplified way, but then these are the regular challenges that people come across. And digital adoption is definitely making a difference over there when people are trying to have a transition done over here. We've talked about this aspect of how can DAP make a difference, but I feel this is also very important to address, which is also next question of mine for you, Mario. How, according to you, could DAP potentially impact the relationships that you currently have? say, between your manufacturers, your suppliers, and your customers in the value chain. Do you see any difference there? Absolutely. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a great question. I mean, we've all seen it and maybe even experienced it ourselves yeah, with COVID, how connected global business already is, yeah, with all the supply chains breaking down and outages, and it might not even need COVID. Remember that, you know, huge uh, container ships stuck in the in the middle of the Suez Canal, yeah, and all of yes. a sudden, basically the entire, the world breaks down, essentially, because of one single ship, and it just yeah. congests the canal, and then nobody else can move, and parts and products will not be shipped, and the whole supply chain will be broken. So in fact, we see already that the production is already an ecosystem today, a very, very, you know, deeply connected. So even when I'm, okay, I'm a German guy, so let's talk about German manufacturing or German automotive, like, I don't know, again, Siemens or BMW or Volkswagen or whatever. Yeah. They, they all know that basically it's an ecosystem. And if I don't get that piece of chip from my supply chain, then this will block another supplier. And then finally, you know, it will let up and maybe I even need to shut down my plants because... 
I cannot produce anymore. And I think that shows how this ecosystem is connected. And that also shows how suppliers along that ecosystem need to collaborate alongside the system. So basically, they're, they're interacting with the same tool, uh, using the same technology. There will be information that feeds. I mean, maybe one thing we are all aware of today is anything about ESG, where all of a sudden, you know, I only need, if I'm very much at the top of the pyramid, it's not only that I need to report about my ESG and carbon footprint and all of that data, but I need to report into my supply chain as well and from my supply chain, yeah. all of that. So there need to be tools that basically involve everybody and not just my company, but including every, every supplier and every contractual worker and all of that. Maybe also a very obvious example. I mean, just look at a construction site. Yeah. I mean, at least here in Germany, you usually have a construction site. But every day, different contractor workers would come. Yes, it's the roofer. Sometimes it's, you know, for electricity. Sometimes it's for high water and always different people, independent companies, but contractors, and they all work on the same project. So they need to collaborate. And of course, that's why they also need to collaborate and use the same tools. So again, we're coming to digital adoption. They need to be onboarded into these tools as well. Yeah. Now imagine also the poor contractor. Oh my God, I'm visiting three different construction sites this week and I'm they are using three completely different tools. I'm always totally confused. Yeah. So help them getting across that, that barrier. I think that's a key thing for everybody. That comes immediately obvious again after COVID, you know, all that, how congested that supply chain. Mario, very well explained. I like how you have brought in different domains, examples over here, be it the manufacturing domain for cars and, and your gadgets, and then suddenly just jump to a construction site. Only the experience can bring all of this on table. Yeah. And I'm so glad we could talk today, Mario, with that. I think I'll not be asking you more questions, but I'm very keen to understand what are your key takeaways from the DAP world, from everything that you have worked upon today? So two key takeaways, I would say digital adoption really is key. So you really have to emphasize it a lot, specifically from my perspective in B2B, where the buyer will be different in most cases from the user. So you have to make it easy for the user to get used to the system, to get productive with the system, no matter what the decision makers up there have been deciding. And the second aspect is you have to be like anything in product management. Maybe that's my special emphasis here. You have to be very, very specific for that specific target user persona. So user personas are really key, not only for building a product, but also for thinking about adoption. Because again, the blue color worker has different needs and needs different adoption and onboarding and, you know, different type of concierge, as we called them earlier, than an office worker, yeah, who might even be in, work in the same company or maybe the boss of that blue color worker, but completely different setup. So you have to be very specific so that you really nail it and can help them a lot and do not flood them with useless information and actually block them. Yeah. These are great inputs, Mario. Thank you so much for sharing all of these information with us. I'm sure our audience has gotten a lot to take away from the experience that you could fit into this particular episode for us today. But yes, with all of that wisdom and experience that you're carrying, I'm not letting you go without sharing a little thought on your first success motto. Okay, obviously not related to DAP, but more generally, <laughs> when, I, when I kind of revisit my career, I would actually say that there are two things. So one is essentially, I don't even know who, who said that, it's love it, change it or leave it. 
So basically meaning personally, at least for me, it's whenever I see something, wow. I have to, you know, love it. I have to be involved. You know, it has to be something that I that I enjoy. Maybe not every day, not every minute. We all know <laughs> that, you know, sometimes there are things that frustrate us, but overall, if not, change it. Yeah. yeah. So and that is again wherever, whatever, you know, department or whatever that is. I mean, if I don't like something in in another team, I'll step in and try to change it. But also leave it so in the sense of, okay, when you're done with it and when you say you cannot succeed, I mean, life is too short to work in these environments where you just cannot, cannot succeed. And maybe the other thing that is maybe more a recommendation maybe to younger colleagues, younger teammates still, you know, pursuing a career, all of that is I, I would say do the job before you have the title. So, and that is true, uh, was true for me. And I would say specifically in my arena and product management, that is true. So basically try to, to simplify the life of your boss, try to help the company succeed. Do not wait to be promoted until you're promoted to actually do something. So do it before, show that you can do it, and then you know everything else will, will follow. And I would say that is specifically true where I love to work. So in these more mid-stage startup, scale-up companies, it might be a bit risky when you're in big corporates. I mean, when you have stronger yeah. departments and walls between departments, and that, that might be a little bit risky, but that's not my way of working anyway. So but particularly mm. in startups, scale-ups, yeah, do whatever it takes and you know, address topics, address problems, move rocks, and then everything else will follow. So great. So amazing. Absolutely. So, so good. I think these two pointers are coming in at the right point of time for me, at least. I'm sure our listeners would resonate with this as well. So thank you so much, Mario, for sharing everything in our episode today. I am pretty sure there are great takeaways for everyone who's listening this right now. So again, we would be catching up again and I'm hoping to see you for more podcasts in the future. But thank you for doing this. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It was a great pleasure. Thank you.